Hello everyone, we're thinking of this time of the year and I was thinking of Matthew chapter 1 and this is uh, the beginning of uh, a few messages with regard to the birth of Jesus. Matthew 1 verses 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. How beautiful the Holy Scriptures are. And as we commence what we know as the New Testament, we are firstly confronted with this coming of the King. The genealogy goes back, as we are told in the first verse, to David and to Abraham. Why? Because God said to Abraham in Genesis 17 that kings shall come out of you. And of course David, though the second king of Israel came out of Abraham's line, but God usually chooses the second. As we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, the natural comes first, then the spiritual. And David was a picture of the Lord Jesus in his being a man after God's own heart. So we see that our blessed Saviour is the king, and his genealogy is here confirmed in Matthew's gospel, for it is, of course, the gospel of the king from beginning to end. Chapter 2 commences with these words, Where is he that is born king? There has never been, nor ever will be, any other baby born king. They may be born prince, but it's naturally impossible to be born king. But this one is God's promised king, son of David, son of Abraham, the one who will ultimately in a coming day be king of kings and lord of lords. As we think of this further, we see him as would be expected at his birth of, his, of, of this unique and divine king, particularly in the first few verses of Matthew's, Matthew, scripture after scripture, confirming that this is the one God had promised. We also see him in chapter 2 being honoured by foreign dignitaries. His forerunner is presented to us in chapter 3, John the Baptist, declaring the coming of the worthy one, whose shoes he wasn't worthy to unloose. At the end of chapter 3, we hear God's declaration and approbation of his son. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. In chapter 4, we see the moral suitability of the king, as he is tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Some of the last words King David spoke were these, 
The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And chapter 4 demonstrates the just character, the moral suitability of this one who had come to be king. Chapters 5 to to 7 tell us of the principles of the kingdom, the Beatitudes, and matters dealing not only with the words and actions of his subjects, but going far beyond that and dealing with the motives that control. But I say unto you, he could say. The law said, but I say unto you. Then throughout the book we see the Lord Jesus demonstrating his power to heal and bless, indicating the fact that the kingdom of God had drawn near, as he had said. Then we also notice that the way of the kingdom is that things are often contrary to natural thinking, as, for instance, what the Lord Jesus said uh, in chapter 16, that to gain is to lose, and to lose is to gain. To understand that greatness is humility, and to understand that in the marriage condition, one plus one equals one. And we could go on giving other examples. We also see in chapter 17 a preview of the coming of the millennial kingdom as the disciples Peter, James and John went up into a mountain with the Lord Jesus and they saw the Lord uh, transfigured before them. Moses and Elijah talking with him. The approbation of God concerning his beloved son and God's instructions to them regarding their need to listen to what the Lord had said about his forthcoming sufferings and death. And then in chapter 21, we see the king coming into Jerusalem. As verse 5 says, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. It's interesting to see that all elements were subject to this king, animal, vegetable, and mineral, as they will be in the coming kingdom. The unbroken in donkey, for instance. The branches of the trees strawed in the way. And his own words about the criticism of the leaders as they condemned the multitude rejoicing and praising God, saying if they held their peace, the very stones would immediately cry out. Then in chapter 24, the Lord instructs his disciples as they ask him about the end of the age and his coming again. Throughout that chapter, he is referring to conditions that will prevail in the period immediately prior to his coming in power and great glory. This is the coming of the king to set up his kingdom here on earth that will last for a thousand years. This is the coming of the Son of Man and has to do with the judgment of Satan and all who have been in opposition uh, to God's people who will have suffered through the great tribulation. This has nothing to do with the rapture of the church and our gathering together unto him. That will have taken place at least seven years prior to this coming to earth of the King of Kings. As we know in chapter 27, he was rejected as the king and the people called for him to be crucified. But Pilate, the Roman governor, wrote over his head upon the cross, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. So the kingdom drew near, 
and the king was rejected and crucified. But his kingdom will come, as those in tribulation days will pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is done on earth, as it is in heaven. What we would call, or what people call, the Lord's Prayer. The fulfilment of that really is tribulation days when they will cry, give us this day our daily bread, because they will be persecuted just like that. But in the meantime, God is doing a new thing, which always was in the mind of God, having an eternal purpose, planned before the foundation of the world, but was hidden in Old Testament times, as the book of Ephesians tells us. This new thing is the church, the body and bride of Christ, which was born on the day of Pentecost and will be complete and taken to heaven at the rapture. Now I realise this has been quite lengthy, but to me it is just it just emphasises the beauty and the glory of our Bible, the Holy Scriptures. And as we think of Christmas and the coming into the world of that baby, let us remember that he was indeed Emmanuel, God with us. And let us also remember that all divine purposes were fulfilled in him, in the life he lived, the death he died, the resurrection that was his, and the future exaltation of the rejected man that they mocked with a reed, a crown of thorns, and a cross rather than a throne. He is the coming king. And my Bible says every knee will bow to him, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, to God's glory in a soon coming day. Christmas time is far more than just a few cards and a Christmas tree and giving of presents. It's telling us again and again that the one who came was none other than Emmanuel, God with us, fulfilling a divine purpose. I wonder if this one who is the coming King is your Lord, your Saviour. He's mine, and I'm so happy to say that. May the Lord bless his word to you today.